Hello, my name is Samuel George London, and welcome to Comics for the Pandemic. Today's return guest is comic book writer and super cool dude, Dave Cook, where I'll be asking him how the pandemic has been treating him and what comics he's been reading. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, the Comic Scene Comic Club. Available from just £5 a month or £30 a year, you can get monthly issues of the history of comics, Shift, Brawler and specials of Pat Mills' Space Warp. To find out more and subscribe to the Comic Club, visit comicscene.org. Also, if you enjoy the show today, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Dave Cook. How's it going? Hey, uh, doing good, yeah. Currently uh, melting under the freakish Scottish sun. <laughs> what is this big yellow ball in the sky? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? It's a funny thing. We all complain about it when it's cold up here, but when the sun, the sun comes out, we still find room to complain about it it's never oh, 100% happened. man yeah no we, we were just doing the same thing a couple of weeks ago it was it was pretty cold down down here um and uh we were like oh when is summer going to get here and now that it's here it's like oh, it's too hot <laughs> you know <laughs> too 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 sweaty and you know it's muggy at night and oh yeah you know um always something to complain about <laughs> it's the British way isn't it <laughs> oh totally totally never pleased <laughs> absolutely fantastic uh, well dave cook it's absolutely fantastic to have you back um and um because you were one of you were within the first few first guests on the show itself so it's been a good couple of years since you have actually been on the show um so it's, it's a real uh honor to have you back on the show but for anybody that hasn't come across you just yet what do you do in the world of comics? Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm a writer. Uh, I write the uh, cyberpunk comic series Killtopia, uh, which is now just about to uh, crowdfund its fourth volume uh, out of five. So we're actually in the home stretch now. We're kind of almost there. Um, I also write uh, video games and books about video games as well. Um, so quite quite a busy guy <laughs> just a wee bit <laughs> <laughs> a very busy guy um and it sounds like you've got some exciting projects coming up as well um from from having seen your twitter feed uh speaking of which uh where can they find you online yeah sure so it's on twitter it's uh, at dave s cook all one word uh, and that's uh, yeah that's me i kind of post uh everything from comics to pictures of my retro retro game collection and uh <laughs> sometimes stuff about kind of mental health as well uh from a creative standpoint yeah. so yeah check it out fantastic and of course um all of dave's links are in the show notes folks um so feel free to go follow him on twitter and check out killtopia as we speak um and as dave mentioned there as well um currently the the fourth killtopia is is running on kickstarter so just search for killtopia on kickstarter and you'll find it right there or 
click the link in the show notes there. Um, but uh, yes, um, as we have had you on the show before, uh, we won't be doing the usual format of comics for the apocalypse. Uh, we'll be shifting it to comics for the pandemic. And before we get into um, what comics you've been reading uh, during the pandemic, um, I'd like to find out a little bit more about uh, how your creative process has been during this time. It's it's kind of strange, right? Because um, I actually think it's been a bit better. Uh, I, I, you know, mm. I, I know this whole situation has been awful, but um, you know, just speaking purely from that creative standpoint, um, yeah. I, I still have a nine to five job, right? Which I'm now doing remotely. Um, but in the in the old world, <laughs> so to speak, um, yeah, you know, in the you before get up, four times, <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> the before it all went horribly wrong. Um, no, it was like. Uh, you know, commuting to work, doing the work, sitting at a computer, commuting home for a while because because you know I'm I'm out in the sticks. You know, it takes me longer to get home. By the time I get home, you know, I I couldn't be. It was so hard to open up the laptop again and and start writing mm. again and to get into yeah. that headspace. So it was a lot of sort of evenings and weekends. Um, now uh, working remotely, um, you, you sort of get a lot of time back. Um, the headspace is a bit clearer and, mm-hmm. you know, I miss the sort of human interaction of an office, but yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know. It just seems like the, the headspace is, is kind of in the right place, you know, uh, to, to get that kind of stuff going. But yeah, I've been blitzing through some new scripts and some new ideas and yeah, it's, it's been quite a productive time. You got to make the best of it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, have you found that the, the events of the past 18 months has kind of, impacted how you've gone about your storytelling oh definitely um so i i rewrote um a few scenes in uh Cultopia 4 and quite a lot of the fifth one uh to kind of right. mirror what's been going on in the last two years and mm. um so this is you know pre-covid you know it was things like uh, obviously trump in the white house and mm-hmm. all the kind of stuff that was going on there and last year we saw a lot of stuff to do with protest and you know, what, what was going on uh, around like George Floyd and all that kind of stuff and just how people were kind of rallying behind causes and uh, yeah. everything that was going on there. And um, yeah, a lot of that stuff has definitely worked its way into into the last two Kiltopia books, um, you know, and, and just sort of, I, I think that's also why I kind of write book to book rather than sitting down and writing a whole arc um, because I, I do like right. to sort of work sort of things in, you know, more more, more current things in because um, mm. you never know what's going to inspire you you know in a given in a yeah. given year so um <laughs> yeah kinda, i kind of like to write in the moment you know but yeah i'd say there's been a lot going on that's uh impacted that fun fantastic and beyond killtopia do you, do you have any anything in the in the works yeah so we're currently still working on uh bpm beatdowns per minute which is my yes great uh comic book um tribute to side-scrolling beat-em-ups it's, it's basically a buddy cop story uh set in 1993's rave scene um nice two, love it yeah <laughs> we're two like martial arts cops have to uh take down a drug syndicate and it's all kind of yeah inspired by like retro uh, action movies uh beat-em-up video games it's been quite a while since we announced it, actually, because um, we actually went back and redid the art and we've got a new uh, colorist on board. Um, but it shouldn't be too much longer till you see what we're doing with it. We're not going to be publishing it in the traditional kind of route. So um, 
Great. Yeah, just stay tuned uh, on that one. Um, and also working on a few other things behind the scenes as well. Yeah, as well. Uh, one of which, which being your, your video game book um, as well. Yeah, so um, yeah, so that, that that's actually, um, uh, it's a coffee table book. It's about yes, 450 yeah. odd pages. You know, it's kind of hardback wow. and it's um, a chronological journey through every single game in the side-scrolling beat-em-up genre from uh kung fu master in 1984 you know through things like final fight streets of rage 2 all the way up to streets of rage 4 in uh, 2020 so it's a massive journey through that whole genre um that took a good like i mean we're still we're still doing the final edits now so that's about two years that project's taken but um yeah it's looking looking really good it hopefully won't be far away as well excellent and can you can you share one of the most interesting things that you found out during that journey oh interesting um just that um that although the arcades are, are seen as kind of like a mid to early you know early to mid 90s kind of thing that kind of you know died out by the time playstation and, and sort of disc-based gaming that had kind of come out mm-hmm. um over over in like japan especially and uh, taiwan as well there was a lot of um side-scrolling beat-em-ups that were made in arcades right up to like 1999 um that are well worth checking out on um emulation cool. uh, because it's the only way to get them right now you can't you can't buy these games anymore um mm-hmm. but they're, they're great but we never we never find out about them until recently because uh the arcades had died out here by by then so yeah right. i'd say that you know it's well worth digging a little deeper into that kind of scene and and yeah there's a lot of stuff in there um and as as a big fan of the genre, I had never heard of it before I did the book. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a rich, a very rich genre. <laughs> oh, definitely. And what what amazes me about that is just how much staying power those games have actually got. Because you can play them and still be entertained, even though you know we've got all of this fancy kind of online gaming and like these beautifully rendered three D worlds that you can you can search now but like there's there's nothing quite like you know um uh, i i really enjoyed and this won't be included in in your book dave uh but echo the dolphin yeah it is man it's 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 the weirdest one if, if for folks that weren't around at the time so it's a side scroller <clears throat> with a dolphin um and it does everything a dolphin can do kind of like the sonar and things like that. And kind of, you know, what, you know, swim into sharks and things like that. Couldn't it? Um, but you can flip out of the water and stuff like that. And I, I just found that amazing at the time for some reason. Oh, there was nothing else like it. You know, um, it, it's a hard game. Like even going back to that game now, it's like, it's savage. Um, but mm. um, I also found it really creepy as a kid, you know, swimming down to yeah. the depths and then there's a big shark there and it's just like, holy crap. <laughs> Um, but no, I mean, you're right. I mean, if you boil that genre right down to its base elements, you know, Streets of Rage, all you're doing is walking from left to right, fighting wave after wave of maybe about 10 enemy types in total um, until you get to the end. Um, And that's not a put down. It just shows that that, that the raw core of that genre is is timeless because um, you have developers like Capcom who did the Dungeons and Dragons uh, side-scrolling beat-em-ups? Then there's two of them. They're re- they're really good, but they went crazy with that base template and added like experience points and inventories and magic systems and like all this all, all these other systems layered on top that just 
make for this brilliant hole that like uh, just works so amazingly. Um, and I think I think that's why it's endured. Uh, just the pure simplicity of the base format is just, you know, and, and who doesn't want to let off steam punching about a million guys in the face, you know? hundred <laughs> you <know>? percent, man. <laughs> yeah, I just remember the um, the I think it's in Streets of Rage two. Maybe there's like a wrestler boss on the beach. Is it like oh, he kind of looks like the Ultimate yeah. Warrior? Yeah, that's that's the first one, but he's also yeah, in the second the one as well. Ah. There you go. Yeah, no, um, yeah, I just remember, yeah, just going to town on him sometimes with Axel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But it is, it's, it's, it's got such staying power and it's kind of like the, the Boeing 747 of games, like side scroll beat about really, isn't it? Um, like it's yeah. just spans decades. <laughs> and what's interesting as well is that, um, I, I firmly believe that games like God of War, Bayonetta, Dynasty Warriors, those 3D beat-em-ups would not exist without the 2D beat-em-ups because mm-hmm. um, you can sort of see it in, in uh, you know, like I said before, you know, like when the, the PlayStation 1 came along and, and disc-based, you know, 3D polygon games were starting to get really popular. Um, a few companies did try to transition the 2D format into 3D through games like Fighting Force, which actually was at one point Streets of Rage 4 until Sega pulled the license. Um, so right. that's a, a little, little factoid. Um, mm-hmm. But you also had things like Die Hard Arcade. Um, that if, if you sort of look at those games kind of closely, they are 3D uh, beat-em-ups. And then, you know, if you squint hard enough, you can see the DNA from those kind of games evolving into things like, yeah, God of War, um, Metal Gear Rising, any sort of 3D beat-em-up type game. Devil May Cry as well, for example. Um so it really is like I think it's a more influential genre than I think a lot of people realize, but um, it's just nice to see it coming back in such a big way again. Um, mm. It's really sort of yeah, just lovely to see it coming back. Definitely, and yeah, no, I'm looking forward to <clears throat> to seeing that that coffee table book. Sounds like it's going to be beautiful. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, and, and um, unfortunately, can't can't reveal the name yet or the publisher, but because no. um, mm-hmm. I'm uh, contracted. Uh, up the, up the backside <laughs> i can't uh, can't talk about it too much but um yeah it should be it should be awesome when it comes out um i'm already thinking of a follow-up about a different genre which um i, I must be crazy <laughs> but uh you know it was, it well, was you, long... you're passionate about it clearly so it's yeah. gonna be well worth it <laughs> yeah we'll see what watch this space i guess 100 <laughs> percent. um now um one thing that you did mention um in in your introduction there was was about the fact that you you also post about mental health on on twitter and particularly in in regards to the creative process and and just before we came on the air um i was telling you that you know over the past 18 months i've, I've had some really dark days um uh during the, the, the this past 18 months and i've i've really struggled sometimes um i've managed to pick myself up and kind of get back into the creative process and things as well um and and that's with big thanks and encouragement to to kind of my my readership <laughs> essentially which has uh been an absolute godsend really um but um yeah what, what what's your take been on this past 18 months in, in terms of all of that i think it's um yeah, it's difficult because I think I think the biggest thing is not having the shows, the you know the conventions. Mm, um, yeah, I, I was kind of, I I was kind of thinking about maybe ramping, you know, uh, going, uh, reducing the amount of cons that I did uh, after after the, after last year anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
just because things like Kickstarter and stuff are such a regular source of kind of readership and sales and stuff for us. But um, I think the last last year really did make me realize how much I would miss them if I gave them up, you know, because um, yeah. it's the only time a lot of our, us creators see each other face to face. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. we talk all the time on, on Twitter and we can support each other with shares and likes and backing each other's Kickstarters. But it doesn't, you know, as you'll know yourself, it doesn't compare to the face to face interaction. Um, sort of discussions over a pint about story ideas and yeah. the process like it, it just it cannot compare to doing it online so i've i've in hindsight definitely really missed that so i'm probably going to do more shows again than, yeah, than yeah. i thought i would um <laughs> just because i've kind of got the itch for them but um that aside because that that to me when i say that sounds kind of selfish because i do know a lot of people that actually rely on shows for a big part of their income as well um and i have spoken to a few people in that position and yeah it's brutal um you know there's a lot of um people who i think it's forced them to sort of go on etsy and sort of work on their marketing game a bit more and set up shop online and um, quite Mm -hmm. a lot of them a lot of my friends who have done this they've done it really well um they've kept the the money coming in and um but yeah I, i think it's just like anything we've just all kind of had to adapt to it it's easier said than done you know but um yeah, it's just it's just trying to, I don't know, because you, because we have all this time at home now, it's just not to spend it all at your laptop writing. <laughs> yes, um, yeah, 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 definitely. You know, because you, you, you'll have probably experienced this as well. It's the whole thing about, hey, I'm going to take tonight off, but then pretty soon the guilt starts to gnaw away at you, like, oh, I should mm-hmm. really be writing something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's so hard to turn off that creative part of your brain that keeps on saying create stuff don't take time off keep on thinking yeah. about ideas and mm-hmm. um i think i think if you're alone with your thoughts too much like we have kind of been with this pandemic i think that can become quite dangerous but um it's just being kind to yourself and giving yourself enough time off to recharge um, i think is the key but yeah yeah it's uh, i think i, I think the, the bottom line is we just all had to adapt you know as best we can yeah definitely um and uh yeah hopefully um the the shows that are scheduled later this year uh likes of thought bubble and and, and mcm uh, all the mcms everywhere um hopefully they'll still all go ahead and we can get them going again and kind of get back into a rhythm um and uh yeah that'd be fantastic to to, to see everybody um back at back on the con floor <laughs> Yeah, do you know what? And and I actually skipped on MCM this year just because it's a it's mm. a you'll know yourself. I mean, it, it is a it's such a different beast the scale of it. And mm-hmm. I know like they're going to be you know doing things like res- restricting the numbers a little bit, you know, of, of yeah. ticket sales and things like that. But um, I still with a show of that scale, I still want to see what happens first. You know, um, fair enough. Just because yeah. of the footfall alone, you know, there's mm-hmm. still going to be a lot of people coming by your table and. Yeah. Um, Whereas Thought Bubble um, is is my favorite show. Um, I think it's probably the the biggest one for us every year in terms of getting actual comic readers to the table and selling stuff. And um, but I think it's small. It's small enough that I think they can be a bit more. I don't know, precautious with things and just sort of yeah. yeah you know, I, I could see them taking a lot Figure of figure it out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, that's great. So you will be at Thought Bubble. Sorry. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Got a table there. Yeah. Um, fantastic yeah 
Yeah, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to, to to make it. I was I was hoping to, but I've got a uh, second child on the way. So um, yeah, that oh, that takes um, takes precedent um, over <laughs> over a comic card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Thanks, I think it's a, a right the right move to not just uh, skip off and go to that. <laughs> yeah, you know, like whilst whilst my my wife is in the in the hospital, you know, I'm I'm going up north to go to a comic con see you later <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably not, not a good move no, <laughs> yeah, no. definitely not nah, and i wouldn't want to miss it either um but uh yeah uh, now um all of that aside um how's your reading been during during this past 18 months it's kind of um it's weird again i guess it's because we, we've kind of had to cope with you know, the pandemic as best we can. Um, I've kind of retreated into my game collection a bit more than my book and comic collection. Because mm. um, I, you know, I'm like like I said before, I kind of I kind of have a lot of retro games that I kind of post online and talk about. Um, and just been buying quite a lot of those um, cheap, you know, just scouring things like eBay and stuff to, for cheap, cheap bargains. And um, I was amassing quite a backlog. So I thought, you know, I'm actually going to sit down and get through these Um so comics took a bit of a backseat, actually, but um, I've read a few things, you know, where where I, where I can. Um, I reread, for example, um, Alex Automatic ahead of the trade coming out. Great. Because um, I, I didn't have the last book, I don't think. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to re- get caught up again. Um, I also read uh, Barking by Lucy Sullivan. Finally got my hands on a copy of that. Um, right brilliant book uh, you know if you want to talk about mental health you know that's uh yeah perfect book to read um and what else uh yeah homesick pilots um by dan waters um just just an inventive as you know inventive as hell comic um i don't know have you read that yourself i'll tell you what i i, I hadn't read it um but um and, and i had seen it um before before you'd mentioned it um but um i i had just read just before we came on on the call actually um the the first issue you can read for free on the image comics website um so if you go to image comics and then go to the homesick pilots page on their website you can read the first issue for free so i've read that and i'm keen to keen to actually go buy (laughs) some uh, some more (laughs) issues so um it it works (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's great. I like yeah, it's um it's a great series, isn't it? I mean, it's like Yes. It's such a again, it's it's a bit like um the first my first experience of Dan Waters was Limbo. Um I just picked yeah, it up from Forbidden Planet um on a whim. I just thought the cover looked cool and stuff and um so that was the trade. Um and and I just thought this is like so bizarre and off the wall and where do they get these ideas from? And Homesick Pilots is exactly the same as that. It's it's just crazy. Um and that's cool. Uh, also, I read a book called Gamish by Edward Ross. Um, so Edward previously did a book called Filmish, which is about the history of film. And Gamish, as you can uh, guess, is, is the history of video <laughs> games. But it goes all the way back to primitive forms of play in sort of from like prehistory times, you know, before, sure. you know, going back to, I think it's like the Incas or the Aztecs. Um, wow. So right back to like the first games that were ever discovered all the way up to kind of where we are now. Um, and it charts the, the path of, you know, um, Space Invaders getting made, the arcades, home consoles. It's it's a lovely book um, full of just incredible facts as well. Um, so, yeah, definitely would recommend that if you're a gamer. 
Yeah, and it, it looks absolutely fantastic. Again, this was one that I hadn't come across um, before you mentioned it, but looking it up, um, looks looks really fantastic. And has he has he split it up in certain ways as well? Because um, I saw like on the uh, on the Amazon page there uh, that he split it up in terms of kind of you know like Mario and um, who else was there? Oh gosh. You, you'll be better at explaining how it's formatted. Sorry. <laughs> so. um, yeah, the book, the book kind of, um, yeah, it, it sort of starts off chronological, but it has these little like segues where it's mm. talking about, um, you know, it focuses on a particular character or company or trend, um, and so you, it does a little deep dive in places where it really deserves a deeper dive. You know, um, so it doesn't really gloss over anything. It actually just gets so into the topic. Um, yeah, I, I would highly recommend it because it's it's one of these books that celebrates games as like an art form. Because um, I, I actually found out recently that video games, as in the medium of video games, will only turn 50, I think, next year. Wow, that's wild. Yeah, it's crazy, it? right? Because <laughs> when you think about how long like TV's been around or, I mean, music, for goodness sake, you know, it's yeah. um, we're still <laughs> at the... the <laughs> yeah, totally. So, so we're, we're only like at the very start of that industry's lifespan and it's it's kind of crazy mm. to see where it's already at and yeah um, how so do you it, feel about um vr and things like that it's one of those things that i i really want to try um some of the more recent games uh you yeah. know things like half-life alex which looks really cool uh, it makes me really sick though i'm one of those people that just can't yeah. can't handle it um mm-hmm. and um you know it's I get this really bad car sickness feeling behind my eyes and in my head and I start to sweat. Yeah, yeah. It's really unpleasant. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah not good. <laughs> but, you know, I th- I think it's going to... I still think it's one of those things where it it needs more time, even, even now. Yeah. And I think there's always mm-hmm. advancements in the technology being made mm-hmm. um, to make it from something that's kind of an add-on that you might play on something like Resident Evil 7. Um to something where you get a full formed game experience with a headset. Um, and I think Half-Life Alex is kind of there. Like it's kind of getting to that point now. Mm. Um, I just can't wait for them to make one that doesn't make me sick. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, <laughs> maybe they'll be able to uh, hook it up with Neuralink. And then it's like, you don't have like a headset on at all. And it's, like for, for full on Black Mirror style, um, although that, I'm sure I'm sure that's got its dangers in itself as well. Though, <laughs> oh, it's got, someone will come up with it eventually. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. It it's will. It's a matter exactly. of time. Exactly. <laughs> it is. Elon Elon's gonna make it happen. I've got I've got no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> Definitely. Um, that guy just wants to make make sci fi a reality. Oh yeah, apparently he was throwing a hissy fit because he wasn't the first billionaire into space or something. I don't know, whatever it was. That wouldn't surprise me one bit. Uh, yeah, definitely. What's he like? I know, I know. <laughs> he's, he's like a, a Bond villain made real. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's wild the times that we're living in, isn't it? Um, <laughs> my God, billionaires going into space and yeah, people still starving around the world, but oh well. Oh yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. Anyway. <laughs> um no um but uh it's it's good to, to to hear that you have managed to fit in fit in a few um despite your exceedingly busy schedule um and uh yeah that you've you've still managed to to keep everything creatively going as well um but um for for, for, for any um creatives out there um that are perhaps 
struggling um what what advice would you give um i think i think there's a few things but i think first and foremost it's just knowing when to unplug you know um it's easier said than done of course you know with all these things there's that caveat that it's you know if if people spotted the signs of stress then nobody would be stressed right it's it has this habit of creeping up on you but it's about knowing the kind of signs you know the sort of burnout the sort of way that certain things make you feel Um, and by that i mean you know putting out something on twitter that you've worked really hard on and it gets like five likes or something and, and you get upset by that it's just you know certainly on social it's like any you know if you post something um on any given day there might be some other really important massive news happening in the world that kind of overshadows your your thing don't take it personally it's just mm. um I, everything on social is like a drop in the ocean you know um yeah. you get lucky with some posts you, you you lose some but just yeah don't take it personal unplug detach just take time for yourself and recharge those creative juices because your your next writing session or, or art session will be way better because of it because you're you've got a free a clear head you're in the zone um you're not getting hung up on things um i would also say as well don't try not to compare yourself to other people mm-hmm. because um yeah i mean this especially now these are tough times we're in um it may seem like everyone's putting out amazing work all the time but just focus on you you know it's you're, you're not in a race with anyone else you're not in competition um don't feel like you have to be posting new stuff every day or writing you know 100 100 pages of comic a month you know that's just crazy it's i just go go at a pace that feels uh safe i'd say and sort of enjoyable and the work will just be better i think yeah exactly now that's great advice dave really appreciate that um and uh yeah um just everybody go go follow dave on twitter um he's he's always got interesting things going on um and uh, make sure that you go go check out killtopia number four um and um yeah, with it, with that in mind, actually, Dave, uh, do, do you have any idea, perhaps, when Killtopia Five will will, will come out, the fifth and final? <laughs> yeah, so um, we're actually thinking like, um, so I'm trying to try to do the numbers in my head. All <laughs> oh, right, try, sorry, trying to project it. No, it's fine. I, I think so. Um, Killtopia Four uh, was August is August thirteenth, so um, mm-hmm. we're going to try and get that out in, the, in within six months. So um i'm trying to think what that takes us up to but i i'd say like next year by the end of next year five will be out and done um and then that will be that will be that and yeah there's a few other things in the kiltopia world i might want to focus on you know a trade for example is definitely something that i want to i want to think about and what, totally. what sort, of, sort of fun things we can do with that um yeah. But yeah, I definitely think there's more stories to be told in that world. So um definitely. I just need to... and how much can you talk about the the, the TV show? Yeah, certainly. I mean, like, yeah, so we, we <laughs> sold those TV rights, of course, um, to a company called Voltaku in, in the States, um, over in, uh, in California. And um, they, they kind of exclusively work in Unreal Engine 4, so it's all kind of computer animation and it's the, nice. like cutting edge kind of stuff, you know. Um, but they, they're currently uh, working on the first sort of, you know, visuals and sort of footage and um the hope is that we can then sell that footage into like uh, to pitch to places like Netflix or Amazon or wherever, you know, for God, example. Yeah. Nice. Um, and if one of them bites, then yeah, we'll have a, we'll have a, a deal and, and it should go ahead. But it's, um, 
should be eight eight episodes, I think, is what they revealed. That's what they're kind of uh, targeting um, nice. for for season one. Um, so yeah, right. well, I guess we'll see see what happens. I, I'm doing this thing right now where I'm refreshing my inbox every day, hoping I've got an email yeah. overnight from the states. Like, <laughs> hey, here's the first footage. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's been nice, you know. I mean, I I'm not writing it, of course. It's um, the writer yeah. of Love, Death, and Robots that's writing it. Oh wow, incredible. Um, so it's kind of interesting to, to see kind of what someone else will do in in my kind of world with my characters and yeah and all that kind of stuff but um i have still been involved you know to a point um because i think they saw that in the comics the the world building was such an important thing to us mm-hmm. you know so, so they were like okay tell us in your own words you know how does this place feel how does this person act what are they like tell you know just really you know vent and let it loose and just tell us and um it's just so they could try and capture kind of what i see in my head when i'm writing the characters and um so it has been quite an involved process you know um but yeah lately i've been waiting for ages for this first footage because it you know it takes a long time computer animation you know so yes um, i'm hoping it's not too far off but we'll see but um yeah exciting you know really exciting absolutely fantastic well best of luck with all of that and uh yeah i'm i'm sure it's all gonna gonna pan out nicely and uh yeah no Dave it's, it's been great to catch up once again um and uh yeah I just hope our paths cross cross once again uh at Comic Con in the near future yeah definitely yeah it'd be good to good to hang out and, and talk uh talk comics <laughs> at <a> Comic Con <laughs> 100% that'd be really good man that'd be really good uh, well thanks again Dave um and uh yeah um just take care and, and hope to see you soon yeah thank you very much cheers thanks Dave bye Thanks again to Dave for being on Comics of the Pandemic. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Dave's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes along with all of our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news the Comic Club, and lots of other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.